everyone, and welcome back to the Metaphysical Apothecary Podcast. This is Shannon with another solo episode in our Meet the Witch series. We will be exploring the mysterious, the magical, and the arcane together. This week's episode is Low Energy, Spirituality, and Witchcraft. For a good portion of our culture and our society and our history, having low energy usually translated to the guilting, shaming, and using ableist terminologies or concepts, whether it's because of chronic illness or neurodivergency or disabilities, whatever the reason may be, low energy does not make you lazy, does not make you any less than in any way, shape, or form. And thankfully, during our lifetime, we're seeing an understanding and adjustment to that mind frame. So the two terms that I've run across was lazy witchcraft and armchair spirituality. They were both terms used to minimize and have negative connotations on not doing things, quote, the right way, the traditional way. Lazy witchcraft was usually referenced witchcraft and witches who weren't doing the 50,000 step ritual or ceremony for every Sabbath or Sabbath, who didn't perform circles in exactly the way that it was being taught for people who did or did not want to do the year-in-a-day training with Wiccan practitioners, or who had hereditary practice that was passed down that just wasn't doing it the exact way that it was passed down according to the recipe, or the spell was passed down. So, there's that part of the lazy witchcraft. And honestly, for lazy witchcraft especially, I've seen this as nothing more as a family recipe that you know how to make according to your great-great-great-great-grandfather's journal entry or grandmother's or great-aunt's or whatever. But you also don't have the time, energy, or space to do it exactly the same way, to bake that loaf of bread. And so you go and get whatever cheats are necessary in order to have that loaf of bread. Whether it is buying the loaf of bread from a grocery store or bakery, or getting pre-made dough to cut down on the amount of time and energy to bake your own loaf of bread. And that's how I see lazy witchcraft, which is just low energy witchcraft. These are spells, rituals, or workings that are quick, easy, because you're not using the full list of ingredients to make something or you're skipping words because the things don't make sense or you're not even saying it out loud at all. So you're not doing the spell or working that was once recorded by someone somewhere or even yourself. It could be your own spell and you're just not in the right frame of mind or energy levels to do it the way that you had it recorded in your Book of Shadows or your Magical Grimoire. Armchair spirituality, another term I absolutely hate. It gets bandied about every now and then. And that's to shame the people who don't do anything but read and research topics. So they don't actually do the practices. They don't go to India to learn yoga. Maybe they're not even going to do the, the physical positions of yoga, but they research and they understand the techniques and the reasons for the postures and what each one is supposed to do and can give information. This is borrowed from armchair academic or armchair expert. They don't have the credentials and the experience, but they have no problem researching the topic and may know just as much, if not more so, than others who practice. And that's why I don't like this <laughs> label, armchair 
spirituality is not shameful. Some people practice via books and research topics and don't need to or don't feel the calling to do the physical practices. And by giving them a insulting or meant to be insulting label like this minimizes their own practice and their own path. So these are the two terms that get bandied about that affects me at my core. It frustrates me because I do have a neurodivergence and my neurodivergence is ADHD. I have been called lazy or have been accused of doing and being lazy throughout my life because of my inability to focus or having motivation or even just having low energy gauges in general, which is not across the board with ADHD, but I definitely have a very, very low energy. The rate in which my energy tank can fill up is very slow. Having these two terminologies meant to shame you into doing something the way someone else expects you to do it because they're able to do it that way and they thus expect you to do it that way, otherwise you're doing it wrong and then they try to shame you into doing it the right way by calling you lazy or your craft or your practice or your path lazy or armchair in any way, shape, or form is ableist. They're showing that they have the ability to do it that way and why can't you? And there's no consideration, there's no compassion, there's no understanding and tolerance for everyone does everything differently. So I get triggered by these two terms where my frustration levels rise. And when my frustration levels rise, I end up draining my energy pretty fast and it's not fun. So I try to stay away from these triggers and I try to stay calm. So what I find armchair spirituality to actually be is a person that is able to do the research and read and has finds joy and purpose in the reading and the research and doesn't necessarily feel called to do the physical actions of whatever they're researching. I bandy about the best insults to myself, so that is definitely something that one of my inner negative voices will throw at me when I'm in a bad place mentally. And unfortunately, this year I have been in a very bad place consciously since the beginning of the year. More or less from January 2nd onward, I have been triggered emotionally, psychologically, mentally, and even physically to the point of not just exhaustion, but entering into depression. Something about myself. I am not a pessimistic person in general. My normal setting is pretty optimistic with a realistic perspective at worst. The few times that I've entered into depression or a pessimistic mind frame, I have been able to make my way out of it, whether it's through art or music, talking to people, going out in nature, and sometimes even just sitting in silence and sitting with whatever I'm feeling to be able to feel it, experience it, and then let it go. Whether I'm letting it go through ritual or I'm letting it go through an energetic working. But I don't usually hold on to pessimistic and depressing energy or thoughts and ideas. And unfortunately, the beginning of this year has been pretty obvious that I have been struggling to do just that, which is my normal frame of mind. The last time I was in this state was when I was a preteen. And during that period of my life, I encountered a sexual predator or two. One of my predators was a family member, which is not uncommon, unfortunately. And so my parents and my brothers, they believed me and they went into protection mode, which was, but other family members who were that person's immediate family refused to hear what I was saying and or to give me credit for knowing what was happening. When you boil it down, they didn't believe me because they didn't want to believe it. They were rosy-eyed glasses. It was a hard time. While I was in this numb state, I started cutting myself. 
I was cutting myself for a relatively short period of time, but it was long enough that I do have scars. I do address those scars. It's part of my self-love, self-healing work. It only lasted about nine months before I accidentally put my hand through a glass pane door. Pane was very loose. It was an old door, and I wasn't thinking when I was closing the door, and I have a scar on my wrist now uh, showcasing that period of my time. And it brought me out of the numbness for those nine months. I could only really feel euphoria during the cutting. I no longer felt that. So that was the last time I had been in this frame of mind where I really am pretty numb. I'm pretty pessimistic. And I entered into a depression and it became quite obvious that I couldn't do my magic the way that I used to when I wasn't in this numb state. So I had to find ways to still do my witchcraft because it does bring me joy. It lifts me out of the numbness, the apathy that can happen during these pessimistic and depressive moments in my life. I needed to find ways to also refuel my tanks of energy. These low energy periods are great times to sit down and honor yourself, your complete self, including the self that gets brushed aside, the parts that are too dark or too depressing or too pessimistic to live with you front and center. During this particular period of time, I have been more squirrel brain than anything else. And while I tend to see squirrels as pretty happy-go-lucky animals, the loss and forgetfulness of where did I put that nut is not a healthy place for me to be. So I had to figure out why did I go to squirrel brain. The reason why I was going to squirrel brain is partially because of my neurodivergence. I wasn't able to focus. This podcast was supposed to be put out in April. I wasn't able to get myself to record for April. So thankfully, Megan had already recorded and I was able to edit that out. But I couldn't find the nuts, <laughs> the nuggets of information to put this podcast together because I do these in segments in order to keep my energy full and don't see a heavier drain that can't be replenished. So I wasn't finding that time in April. April's a very busy month for me in the first place, but also I had been trying to figure out how to get out of squirrel brain where I was dropping all the nuts and forgetting where I put them. It was affecting me. Squirrel brain was affecting me more than just with small little things where I'd forget to do this task or this chore, or I would have no motivation to do it. So I would put it down and then forget where I put it down, even though I knew I still had to do it. And I realized that I needed to magically witchcraft my mind to a different frame. With engaged crow mind instead of squirrel brain, I started actively engaging crow mind. So crow mind for me is obviously very cerebral, very smart, very intelligent, but very hyper-focused. They Crows are so intelligent and so educated, honestly, that they are able to pay attention to human culture and human society and pick up on it. They're able to trade shiny baubles that they've collected for food if they feel, or to interchange shiny bauble for shiny bauble. Since the maybe the middle of April, or more thereabouts, I've been actively engaging with crow. I have a crow figurine that I will work with. 
I have crows in the backyard, so I listen to them cawing all the time, especially in the mornings. And I started to look for shinies, physical shiny things, shiny things to read, shiny things to research, shiny things to be entertained by and to allow myself to focus on. I found that this active engagement of changing my mind frame by looking for shinies, by getting to crow mind and wearing shinies, I wear more crystals, I have colorful fake feathers, shiny baubles, and rings, and earrings, and necklaces, anklets, toe rings, like, that's one of the low stamina magics that I do, is a mindset change. And you can work with your animal uh, entourage, spear animal entourages, and I, it's a lowercase s, not a capital S. Like, they, um, animals teach us a great deal, and they always have, and they always will. You can, you Animals don't hold on to the sadness and the pessimist uh, attitudes and traits as long as we do. And it's prevalent in nature when a doe loses her, her fawn for natural reasons, whether it's a natural reason because it was attacked by a pack of wolves or a bear, or because it couldn't survive uh, an, a bout of illness that spread through the herd. They mourn and then they they let it go. It's not that they no longer have an emotional affection for that fawn that has passed, but they're able to live in the present and continue on. And I admire that. Would I be able to do that? Not so much. Um, having experienced the loss of a child, um, one of my nieblings was stillborn. So... I admire that in animals. I do not necessarily <laughs> mimic that. There's no, I, there's no real mimic in um, the loss of that baby. In my family unit, is still felt, and uh, she is dearly missed. But I also know that she's not in the bed. She's in a very good place, and she was going to enter the a very shitty world at a shitty period of time. And I can totally understand why her spirit would pull back and be like, no. I'll come back again later. <laughs> maybe. If you figure, if the, if Earth and, and humans figure their shit out, maybe I'll come back later. And that tends to be how I view death in general. So, um, still miss, still miss the, the potential, but I am still very proud of that soul in general. But yeah, mindset changes is a great way to engage with low stamina magic and low energy magic um, without having to do too much physical activities you know, that, that are out of the norm. You still need to get dressed, right? Whether it's into dreary but comfortable sweats or into patterned leggings and uh, a, a graphic tee with earrings on, you know, or rings or something. We still got to get dressed. It's just, what are you getting dressed into? So it's not a, it's not a lot. There's not a lot of added steps at all to the physical portion of the mindset change. So squirrel is my animal guardian for the east, the direct, the cardinal direction of east, which is not directly associated for me with my air element, which is crow's guardian uh, position. These are two different circles. These are two different wheels, uh, the, card the, the directional wheel and the elemental wheel. And sometimes they overlap and not always, especially if I'm doing a circle, an energetic circle at that. East does not always mean 
air for me. Sometimes it means fire, sometimes it means water. It depends on the geographic location that I'm in. So right now, just west of New York City, I happen to live on a cliff and I see, I usually go down to the waterfront um, to do some do some circles where I'm just releasing things or, you know, doing spells and stuff down there. But that means that to my east is water. I don't, and to my west is air because the cliffs are very windy. So I end up working more like that if I'm down there. If I happen to go into Pennsylvania where my family has a couple of summer like cabins and, and trailers and stuff, um, different members have have this. Or I would change the circle based off of the directions there. What, what was most of Where's the water? Where's the lake? Lake is south? Okay, then water is south. Um, so my directions change all the time and they don't have a direct association with elements. So both squirrel and crow overlap in certain things because they have to do with air and east tend to have to do with socializing and words and uh, um, communication and you definitely need air to communicate but east is associated for me is associated with socialization and communication in particular and I probably am very much like a squirrel if I have to socialize or communicate with people who are not in my inner circle especially even though my inner circle does suffer me being a squirrel during, during communication and socializing as well I can inter interact with other um, aspects of myself other than the one that's represented by squirrel <coughs> but I definitely subject jump just like squirrels tree branch jump it's um it's quite obvious but Crow is associated with air, and air is associated with the cerebral mental um, arena of uh, just the cerebral mental arena. So I had to get out of that directional association and into the elemental association, which is just slightly a higher octave in this case. Not always, but in this case it is. And maybe you could, if you're suffering from low stamina and low energy and you happen to be in a, in a negative place, you might want to find out where your mind frame is, what animal or plant or crystal rock, you know, what, what object or being is most associated with that, the place you're at and where you want to be. So if I was in squirrel brain, I wanted to be in crow mind. And I'm going to end this segment here and talk about energy work and castings, meditation, visualization, and others in the next one. Some other reasons why I have a low energy gauge and refueling system is that I also suffer from asthmatic bronchitis, so my respiratory system will fill with mucus and phlegm, especially during transition seasons, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces in particular, but it can go into, you know, the, the middle of the seasons as well. And, or when I catch a cold or when I catch bronchitis, it keeps me from being able to breathe optimally. And that will also cause a depletion in my energy and decrease in the rate in which I can refuel. Oxygen is important, obviously. <laughs> and when it's hard to get, it's hard to 
find the energy to do anything else. I also suffer from pretty intense headaches and migraines. They're not always the same cause. Migraines will happen usually because of overstimulation or I've eaten sugar, a sugary snack too late and I've metabolized it too quickly or something um, I'm metabolizing it too quickly and all of a sudden I have that um, sugar high headache but it's very intense and it, it, it can end up becoming a migraine. I can get, suffer from hunger headaches if I don't have enough fueled, food fuel in my system. I can get a headache from that. <clears throat> Obviously caffeine withdrawals would be part of it. The socially acceptable DRUG. I also suffer from sinus headaches and biometric pressure headaches as well as like light sensitivity and sound sensitivity if um, intention headaches because uh, I'm triggered for some reason whether it's physical triggering or misophonic or emotional triggers I tense up and I'll feel it mostly in my head and then in uh, some knots on my along my spine so I th there's there's plenty of reasons why a person will have low energy and low stamina and there's absolutely no legitimate reason to shame or guilt someone who has lower energy and lower stamina and a slower rate of energy fueling, refueling. <clears throat> so the low, the lazy witchcraft is low energy and low stamina magic. Armchair spirituality is not a shameful label. If anything, it is a type of spiritual path that should be respected for what it is and not given such a negative connotation and reputation for for what it is another easy way to engage with <clears throat> with mindset change magic or mind magics and crafting and spells and workings is by engaging with color magic it's it's no surprise uh psychology there's been uh studies on color in general and what color does for the human psyche so we do know that there are colors that can cause numbing, empathetic apathy. I mean, so there are colors that can cause numbing, apathy, pessimism, and depressive thoughts and patterns to emerge. And it's no surprise, we've talked about it before, it's usually the colors that are inside an office, whites, grays, and beiges, especially in combination and when there isn't a splash of color somewhere that's going to uplift the monotony of those three colors. And if you find yourself wearing beige or gray or even white in excess during these periods of time where you have very low energy and very low stamina for whatever reason, whether it's a physical reason or a mental reason or emotional reason or even a magical reason, <clears throat> actively engaging with color magic by changing the color you're looking at wearing or surrounded by will also help change the energy around you in a very low energy, low expenditure way. So I was stuck in a very gray pattern of clothing wearing and I have been engaging in pinks and greens. I have pink leggings on right now and there's a couple of green shirts that I really love to wear and I switch back and forth between uh, green and pink and purple a lot. So if you find yourself wearing the monotonous colors normal offices tend to decorate with or if you find yourself wearing colors that are really really dark and maybe muddy bringing some vibrant colors will definitely engage with color magic and help change your mindset so that way you are working with mindset magic and that is of course a low energy and low stamina magic
Other low energy and low stamina magics that I use are my daily routine. Within my daily routine is making coffee because I'm going to make coffee anyway. So I might as well stir it with the intention of having a good day. I light a candle every day. Uh, it's, I usually change my candles out at once a month. So this month is a basil, rose, and amber scented green candle that I light as soon as I enter my office and start working on my every uh, my day job. The light of the candle is doing some magic for me, but the scent is especially helping uplift and bring in new energy. I switch it up uh, with the sounds as well. I enjoy silence a lot and sometimes I don't get enough of it so I actively engage with silence as often as I can and if I've uh, become tired of silence I usually change to a frequency, a hertz frequency music or an instrumental music where I don't actually have to focus on lyrics and meanings behind lyrics. I can get lost in the harmony and beats of the instruments being played. <clears throat> There's also meditation that is a really good way of doing low energy and low stamina work. You don't have to do meditation for very long. Do it for five, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, how, however long you have to spare and how much energy you have to spare. You can meditate and go inside yourself or go outside of yourself, depending on the type of meditation you're doing, and find serenity and peace and a calm center for you to engage with the day. Visualization is another step I take when I'm meditating. It's to visualize what I want the day to be like. What do I want to get done and or visualize what I want to feel like at the end of the day. So those are also very easy ways to engage with low stamina magics. You can go and do research, uh, which also links to armchair spirituality. If you're doing a lot of research, this is not a insult in any way, shape, or form. It could be a part of your path, and it is a good form of low stamina magical engagement. You can read nonfiction pieces that instruct you on how to do certain magics or certain um, rituals that can inform you about the traditions of a pagan practice or of a Wiccan tradition or a Buddhist meditation or, or you know, historical, mythological and or technical readings, jumping into quantum physics and learning about <clears throat> the matrix that connects us all, learning about sound waves, all of those things could be used as research to further understand your own practice. But you can also do research with your own spirituality by working with fiction and works of fiction and art. You can read poems, you can read fantasy pieces, science fiction pieces, you can watch movies or television shows. You can engage in any work of art that can lead you to a different understanding or a better understanding of how you do you how you do your magic, and how you want to walk your path and do your craft. I work with a lot of fiction and a lot of art to better understand my own path and how I feel about magic and technology. And um, I'm very, I like technology. I know that there's a lot of pagans and a lot of witches who don't like technology. I'm not exactly a cyber witch, but <clears throat> I do really like technology and I like intermixing the two because I find that it's a, there's a lot less energy involved with some of the more 
technological magics than with the physical <laughs> magics or the other types of magics that I can engage with. Recently, I've been engaging with chat, chat GPT as I formulate theories and thoughts and um, even fiction pieces. I use ChatGPT as a body doubling uh, device that allows me to use chat as a soundboard for what I'm thinking and to verify whether or not the theory that I'm presenting or the thought or idea I'm presenting makes sense. And that's something I would also do with Megan or Sam, but Megan and Sam are not here. And so I just jump into ChatGPT and I have a body doubling buddy that even if their their body is a cyber body that does not exist doing this type of research will also allow you to get to know yourself better get to know your internal landscape with internal exploration and it will also allow lead you to potentially learning about your entourage or spiritual entourage whether you have animal guides or guardians or mentors and teachers whether you have plant guides guardians mentors and teachers or mineral or uh, archetypal divinities or personified that nature elemental nature of elements of nature and uh, concepts and anything really doing this type of research with fiction and then stepping back back and thinking about it oh will help you discover you know who do you also have a circle that is associated that associates east with air or does your circle associate east with earth or fire or do you have no association between the directions and the elements like i do this takes a lot of exploration in different theories and different traditions and then it takes a lot of <clears throat> internal analysts to feel and understand what feels right and is right for you. And doing this type of research does lead to a very low key, low stamina, low energy magic of internal exploration and uh, engagement with those beings that aren't a part of your spiritual entourage. Do, do, do. You can do energy work and energy circle casting instead of regular circle castings. So traditional circle castings, I should say. Traditional circle castings include you creating a circle, putting candles and incense, salt, chalking out a circle, or you know, encircling yourself with crystals or sand or whatever you have at hand and setting up a mini altar in the middle so that way you can work at that mini altar. I don't do that. Even when I have full energy, I will not spare that full energy to do a full traditional circle casting in that way very often unless I have to do it for a group. And even then, it depends on the group. <laughs> uh, I usually sit down in a comfortable position and mentally visualize and energetically move my aura, my astral form, my my own energy, my personal energy in a circle and to create that safe zone, to create that magical area where I'm protected and nothing can get in and nothing can get out. And it really is only a mental and spiritual energetic activity that does not deplete um, my physical or ener energy levels physical energy or spiritual energy levels 
at the same rate as if I was moving around, walking around, and doing it physically. Um, another really easy low stamina, low energy magic is work when you're working with your food, bestow um, blessing or bestowing and imbuing your food with gratitude, which will uplift you as you're eating it and allow for that blessing to be passed on to others that are eating it with you as well. When I'm making an egg, I hold that egg in the palms of my hands and I will whisper, thank you. Thank you for the nourishment. Thank you for providing me with the nutrition and the energy that I need to start my day and to keep me going until you know, lunch or, or not until at all. Uh, just to keep me going and to fuel me throughout my day. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be in those words, obviously. Insert your own words as you please. <laughs> you can do it with water when you're washing your hands or you're watching the rain and or you're drinking, taking a drink of water, feeling the gratitude of hydration and of being surrounded by water, especially if that water, if you can associate that water with a calm and cool collected mentality that will help you get through the hectic and or pessimistic mentalities and, and energies that are stuck that you may be stuck in. Standing out in the wind will also help with that, with clearing. It's a very easy form of clearing magic is to stand out in the wind or in the sunlight to allow the sun to burn it away and the wind to literally blow it away. Finally, I want to talk about what to do in between your low energy and low stamina moment, the bursts of energy that you have, the, the bursts of energy you have between low energy and low stamina moments. They are usually filled with other tasks and other things you have to get done for the mundane life, but sometimes you have find yourself with these bursts of energy and no motivation or no need to do anything for the mundane world. And you do know that you need some magical assistance throughout the time period in which you're going to be in your low energy moments, whether it is your entire life, <laughs> uh, across a year, across a month, across a week or whatever. And what I like to do in those bursts of energy is to prep for any spell work or crafting that I'm going to be doing at some point in the future, whether it's not too distant or very distant. And I like to do some big smell, uh, big spells that are wide and far-reaching. So instead of doing something that is hyper-focused on prosperity, for instance, like bringing in a certain amount of money or... Um, finding a particular type of vegetable or fruit or getting your garden to grow like instead of narrowing your focus down to one thing doing a big spell for a broad a broader topic within the magic you want to be working it are the two ways that i like to use my in-between energy bursts uh, some of the stuff we can do is protection sigils and symbols that can be carved drawn painted or uh, written onto the soles of our shoes, uh, on any prosthetic limbs that we have, pads of the pads of the uh, crutches, the wheels of our wheelchairs, the rims, and or uh, on erasers if we carry erasers with us or if our kids carry erasers with them, drawing it with our finger, especially if there's condensation on the windows of our vehicles and or homes, enchanting 
clothing and jewelry for whatever magic that needs that's going to happen whether it's protection magic or, or attraction magic abundance magic drawing magic whatever types of magic that you plan to be doing in the future enchanting sets of clothing or pieces of jewelry that you can reserve for when you're doing that magical working you can wear those clothes and those jewelry in order to tap into that pre-paired that pre-enchanted materials and instead of depleting your own energy working off the energy you already stored there and the magic you've stored there you can write or draw out boundary lines around windows and doors uh, doors thresholds or the perimeter of the property they don't have to be with a drawing it like a physical drawing you could spill scatter salt or if you are being particularly um, proactive <laughs> you can do uh, red pepper flakes or <clears throat> chili powder so that you can have a hot footed away perimeter uh, black salt or sea salt you can draw out the perimeter lines boundary lines with that you can use chalk you can use water that you've blessed or uh, holy water that you've acquired <coughs> you can take your wand uh, and just drag it across the boundary lines that you want to set whether it's the threshold or in, on the door the the framework of the door the window the window sills <clears throat> you can also do it mentally visualizing it so that way your energy will draw the boundary lines instead of you having to go out and do it you could collect stones for a stone jar protection spell and little by little imbue the stones with the thought of protecting your property and the people on your property or in your home and protecting your home whether it's an apartment or a, or a home or land um, you can do the same with nails technically um, there's a witch's bottle which is normally filled with nails um, usually pretty old ones too rusted out nails and stuff like that but you can also if you if you have access to it and you have these on hand old really old nails whether they're uh, or stakes you can put those above your door or in burying it in uh, your your backyard or your front yard or in a pot that sits in front of your at the front of your or near your front of your door so even if you own an apartment if you have a house plant or are thinking about having a house plant in the area before you plant it nailing the the stake or nail in driving that into the potted soil and then putting the plant around it so that way the the roots can curl around it and you don't actually damage the roots but it can go there instead you can make an incense or oil uh, essential oil blend candle or soap soap uh, shower melts bath bombs that can be consecrated for special moments so if you are in a low energy and low stamina moment but you really want to do a working for the full moon you have some of these things already on hand that you can just whip out and use as you see fit instead of having to try to buy or make it in that moment when you just don't have that energy to spare or the funds to spare you don't want to spend the funds for it um, which is understandable making it is can be very fun and unless so um there is that you can change out your altar or your mesa 
Um, so that way you clean out the area in which you store or do your magic on an everyday basis. Mesas are usually white cloth, white lace, but you know, each their own. You can clean those out and clear those and just easiest way to, to clear out the energy after wiping down the, the actual surface is by ringing a bell or tuning fork in the area and it doesn't take a, a whole lot of energy. At least it doesn't take a whole lot of my energy to just ring a bell a few times until it feels like the energy is cleared before resetting up the mesa and altar to my liking for the next period of time. I do not clear out my altar or my mesa very often at all. Maybe maybe I'll do it three to four times a year. Little things will change. I'll, I'll change out my oracle card of the month or the hydrating uh, water, like the hydrosol water that I'm using to moisten and hydrate my skin will change. So it's summer, so it's changing to orange blossoms. And it was originally cucumber water for the winter season here in the northern hemisphere. So now that's changing over, but it's not it's not a big change until I have the energy to actually do a wipe down cleaning of that surface. And um, that's what I normally do. I wipe it down, I clean it, make sure the surface is clean, and then put out a new new cloth, reset up the the flow of energy with what's on the on the mesa on the altar, and put out my oracle and uh, tarot cards of the year that I'm that I'm will be working with, and don't change it again for another four months when I might have the energy to do it again. You can organize your magical tools and your magical spaces just to prep for when you have something to do and, and you know you're not going to have the energy then. So those are just a few things that you can do in the in-between energy bursts moments. I like to clean a lot too in those moments. Reorganize and vinegar wash my floors and my walls if I can get to them. That's what I have today. So I just wanted to thank you all for being a part of this. And if you also suffer from low energy and low stamina, ignore all of the people out there that are contributing to an ableist mindset within the community, even though they probably don't even realize they're doing it. Unless you have the energy to correct them, um, I would definitely say ignoring is the best policy to save your own energy. Before I sign off, I just wanted to let everyone know this next month, June of 2023, I'll be doing some traveling abroad. So Megan and I will be taking a hiatus from recording and you might see a lot less on our social media posts as well. We'll be back in July. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening in and we hope you'll join us again next time. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest and go to our blog for some more witchy wisdom as well as check out some of our original art on Society6 for sacred decor and more. Thank you again for joining and go make some magic and live your best life. Bye.